Hey, it's David Greenwald. And Dom Sinicola. And this is Pretty Little Grown Men. We are back to talk about Pretty Little Liars, Season 7, Episode 15, uh, which is called In the Eye Abides the Heart. In the Eye Abides the Heart, which we were just uh doing some quick research about uh what did we learn dave it is so first of all this song it's a song and it's appeared on the show a couple of times Mm -hmm. uh, including in a scene where mona sings it in radley in season three i i believe uh we looked it up on youtube found on YouTube. It it is a song written originally by Stephen Foster who was an 1800s songwriter. Uh all all music calls him uh the quote first truly American songwriter and he wrote Oh Susanna, Old Kentucky Home and and many other classics. Uh Old Folks at Home which you probably know as as Swanee River, Camp Town Races. Ooh, uh, that's a good one. So yeah. So uh, why this song has played or uh, enduring role in the show, we don't know. Uh, I I kind of have to bring up Lost because Lost, of course, used all these sort of cultural references or n- naming characters after things or whatever, mm-hmm. and not really with any sort of purpose. Right. The fact that this song appeared on the show and then appears in an episode title maybe means something, but also a lot of the episode titles are just super random and don't mean anything yeah i think that you know it's i don't want to read too much into it because really the episode titles have never been that indicative of any big secret do you think it's just a reference to the 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 conversation that Allie has with Paige, where she's talking about the way emily looks at her that's a good point and i'm gonna say yes okay Boom! Nailed it. <laughs> Done. Um, we can we can stop the dive down the rabbit hole right there. I mean, I, I don't know if they've ever done this with uh, episode titles before, though. But referring back to some sort of Easter egg kind of thing. Yeah, totally. It's I don't good, know. It's a good point. I mean, who knows anymore? No, I I, I agree. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I. Um, I think that it was, uh, well, uh, Troyan directed this episode. Troyan, um, who plays Spencer, who for, plays Spencer. For, for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, sorry. Um, I, I expect all of you know, but just in case. Yes, uh, and she did a, a damn good job. Um, I think that she, part of the reason that made this episode so good was that it felt very... Like it, 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 I can't think of a word that do, isn't sort of like a backhanded compliment, but I don't mean it that way. It felt very workmanlike. It uh-huh. felt very um, competent. It felt very uh, functional. I thought it was very dramatic. Uh, a lot of the episode, ha- there's a lot of shadows, a lot of darkness. Um, well, right, there's not- a lot of single shots of characters where. The the show would more ordinarily go with like a very workmanlike two shot with like over the shoulder and you see the person's face. 
but in opportunities where it could have done that, it didn't. It had one character at a time, which is a little bit bolder and uh, was more dramatic and made the show feel more like a thriller or more um, like a soap opera, but like a scary soap opera. I think not not like a not in a cheesy way, but in like a an actual like yeah. genuinely dramatic dramatic way. I think that, and I think that's what I what I meant, which is you know one of the things that I've been trying to do a lot lately as I watch as, as I um, get as a lot of these shows that I'm watching or that I've been really invested in are sort of coming to an end or um, I pick up a show and I watch a lot of it is I'm trying to figure out what the, um, what the visual language of the show is Mm -hmm. the way that the show holds itself together aesthetically despite the fact that uh, there are a lot of people working on it. And I mean, I think that you could probably find online pretty easily a lot of um, almost like, uh, I can't remember what they call them, but like visual manuals that shows have Mm -hmm. that basically where like writers or showrunners develop like almost like a manual of how to make the show. Right. Things that you have to, things that you have to do as a director or ways that you're supposed to set up shots. And, um, I think what was great about the show is Troyan seemed to really understand the way that the show functions as a visual medium. Um, I thought she even departed from what we've come to expect and sort of the, the standard shots of the show. I thought it was actually more pushed out to a, a, a thriller direction or to a more isolating direction. And there's all these like, um, there's all these shots where there's motion, you know, the camera kind of zooms in on a character or there's one great shot where it's following Spencer and it kind of pans around and you get her like moving through her house. And so there's a lot of camera movement. There was a lot of isolation of the characters. Um, you know, clearly you were watching pretty little liars, but I, I did find it to be, and we knew this was Troyan's episode and we were excited to see what she would do, but I did find it to be like, you know, more than just you, you could tell someone else was directing. It. Well, I, you could tell there was a, an imprint on it without completely throwing out the blueprint. I guess what I kind of feel is more that like the show's gotten away from the way that it looked in the beginning. Uh-huh. And I think Troy, Troyan was tapping more into what the show used to look like, because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of those tracking shots. I feel that it felt very pretty, pretty little liars ish mm-hmm. where you get sort of a pan of the room. you you're tracking with the character, but you're obviously also sort of anticipating where the character is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you set up a lot of depth of field. Uh, there's a, and there's a lot of shots, um, which I think is pretty typical on this show. A lot of shots of like extreme close up, uh, with a, a character way back in the foreground or in the background. And so you have this sort of, immense immense depth of field that is 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 constrained but it's also like gives you a lot of uh uh, dimension and what you're looking at and i feel like the show used to be like that and Mm -hmm. it's just gotten away from that Mm -hmm. because it used to be a slasher movie used to be a horror movie and and the visual language represented that and i feel like troyan's almost like getting back to it which made me feel made me like it better. Yeah. It made me, made me see the way that the show has changed as it's gone down these other paths and sort of gotten away from what it used to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's what I'm saying is like, cause I don't want to, I don't want to 
when I say workmanlike or functional, I almost feel like it's like, I, I, I guess I kind of mean it in a way that it's like bringing it back to some sort of coherent aesthetic that the show used to be so flawless with mm-hmm. and uh, has sort of not been such a priority <clears throat> in the past two seasons. Really. Right, right. Um, and I think probably the only other person who understands that aesthetic as well would be Norman Buckley. Yeah. I mean, who, he's definitely who, our favorite. Who plays around with uh, Dutch angles a lot too, which, yeah. which Spencer was doing, or Spencer, what Troy was doing in this episode. The <laughs> one thing that she didn't do, which is sort of like the classic PLL shot, is like the outside the window, like surveillance mm-hmm. shot. Right. And I didn't really notice anything like that. You're in right. This she episode. didn't. She didn't. Um, Instead, we we got a much more we got AD FaceTiming Arya, and so we got a complete turnaround in terms of like the relationship between the between the the game players and the game master, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, uh, yes, yes, we did, and um, uh, I think that. I think you're right. The the sh- the this episode felt um there there was a lot of drama, there's a lot of tension. Uh but nothing nothing felt um forced or hurried or too expositional to, well, to bear the weight. Right. One thing that I thought was great about this episode, uh there was no emotional uh pop song montage. No, no, no disrespect to emotional pop song montages, but it was just pretty much straight seriousness, Mm -hmm. pretty much a straight, like a very somber, uh, suspenseful episode. And it did one of these mid-season, it did one of these like sort of classic PLL mid-season things where it just dumped through a ton of scenes and a ton of information and conversations. Mm -hmm. But after doing a lot of these episodes in like a sort of mediocre uh, space filling way. This one did not feel like filler. I think in part because mm-hmm. Troyan did a good job, but in part because the editing was super sharp and they gave you just enough of a sliver of plot or of conversation to make you wonder, oh, where is this going next? Mm-hmm. And then hopping to another character and hopping around and then coming back. So some of these scenes could have been played longer. It could have been, um, you know, more. I guess languid episode, um, but yeah, I didn't feel like it was rushing. I felt like it was actually doing what these sorts of episodes should do, which is build suspense and give you a lot of information, but also keep you invested. So this was really one of my one of my favorite episodes in a long time, as far as just like a formally constructed mm-hmm. piece of good TV. Yeah, and I think that um, I mean I don't want to jump ahead, but I think that when you bring up the editing, this applies, and so. There's a lot of um, a lot of online chatter going around this week about this this theory uh, as to as most theories uh, cover the identity of AD being that it is Spencer's twin that Mary Drake had twins uh, and that um, Spencer's twin is the the big bad. Um, that we've been waiting for. I hate this theory. Yeah, I, I, it's it's kind of lame, but um, th- something happened in this episode, which almost points a bit too directly to it, which is the meeting that uh, um, Spencer was having with 
Ren at the airport, a very brief cameo by Ren. Um, Ezra was at the airport. His flight gets delayed to go back for the umpteenth time to see Nicole and her parents. And he sees Spencer talking to Ren. He tries to avoid her, but she calls him over. And she's acting strange. She's a little upbeat. And this is almost immediately after we see Spencer being confronted by Detective uh, Fury. Boyfriend. Hunky, hunky Detective. I mean, now he's he's on the outs, so he's not Detective a Conflict. <laughs> <laughs> detective <Yeah>. Drama. That <laughs> was a great... There was so many good conflicts and drama created in this episode that felt super natural. Not supernatural, but just <laughs> extremely natural. And I loved it. And that one scene with Ren was the only just like what the hell scene of the episode. Right. And that's what I'm getting at, which is that like the editing, like the, everything about this episode was so well constructed that that's the only thing that felt like a, like a total outlier. Right. It's just like, Oh, Ren's here for some reason. And okay, we're going to keep moving. And then it was, and then that scene was immediately followed by, well, not immediately. First we see Ezra go back and talk to Arya. And then we see Spencer at home, uh, taking a shower, and it's just there's there was no real um, cognitive continuity between those scenes, so it felt like that's not really Spencer. Oh, so okay, yeah, that's a great point, and that's actually a really good point because it would explain the weirdness of of Ren showing up and her being in touch with Ren. Because why would he call her out of nowhere if just because he was in the airport? Uh, and we also know that Ren is bad and was involved in all this stuff mm-hmm. and was never that was never explained. That's like a dangling thread. And and I'm sorry, but uh, real Spencer would never get called by Ren at the airport for a layover to go like hang out and have a drink. Right. Like Ren wouldn't Ren wouldn't call Spencer if he was in town. Presumably. Right. And and if that were the case, Spencer like Spencer wouldn't just go and hang out with Ren without like somehow tying it to the greater mystery of what's happening. And and wouldn't be able to get into well, she says I had some questions about uh Charlotte and Radley. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But she would not have been able to get past the TSA and get in there. Maybe it, maybe in the PLL universe. Well, I mean you can go outside of security. There's like restaurants, and stuff but they weren't because Ezra was there waiting to catch his flight, right? I mean, assuming yeah, assuming that he already went through security. Yeah, I think you assume he is because he's just hanging out with his bag. Yeah, that's a good point. That that might be too technical, a, a detail. <laughs> Although speaking of technical details, we learned a lot about the board game this week, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of Mona, who like just had complete character whiplash in this episode. Uh, from I know her this, first is scene the Mona, this is the Mona. This is the Mona that we miss. But it starts, I, so I took notes this episode again, which is helping me go through my... Uh, Thank God. Go through, go through these podcasts. But, you know, she, so she shows up, and she's got her iPad in her hand, and she's talking to Emily about how Lucas is going to sell her factory. Uh, and we've just learned earlier in the episode, there, it builds on the revelation of Lucas last week that he knew Charlotte uh, in her youth as Charles. Uh and they're wondering, like, oh, what could this be? What could this mean? Is he bad? And 
No, I don't think he is. By, mm, by the way, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's too early to reveal him as AD. Also, I mean, like, is, is Pretty Liars really going to do this about face and point so clearly to one character and then actually have that character be AD? No. Yeah. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> we know they won't do that. But Mona pops out of nowhere and she's totally in this, like, like fashionista, perky, weird character who she's been for the last for this half of the season and it reminded me of like is this like a mary tyler moore episode or uh even like the room if you've seen the great cult classic the room where the the mother character uh of lisa has the scene where she says in this completely sunny voice i definitely have cancer yeah. uh and that was like the mona character of like oh i'm mona guess what this it, is gonna happen oh i was trying to think what it reminded me of it reminded me of uh in uh Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh-huh. Uh when Hermione keeps like showing up out of nowhere and she's like talking to them uh and like Ron and Harry are just sort of like what what where the like where the hell did you come from? And it turns out that she was using the the time turner, the time spinner thing to time travel and so she was literally coming out of nowhere. Uh and surprising them, and that's how that felt. Where it's just like, were you, like, were you, were you just sitting over there just now, Mona? Where, where, where the hell did you come from? Well, so I guess the way the thing that sort of explains this is that as soon as Mona gets her hands on this game, uh, she's like, "Oh, I love the game," and she has this whole conversation with Hannah where she's like, "Listen, I know what it feels like to run a game like this, mm-hmm. and it's addictive, and that's why I can't help you." And Hannah's like, but how would it feel to beat it? And then Mona looks at her like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) But are we supposed to believe that completely unjustified by the last year of episodes that Mona is like trying to fight off her darker self by being this perky go-getter? Like, is that the character? I suppose. I mean, you you probably that. I mean, that makes sense. I suppose. Uh, Although it's it's. It just doesn't seem like a lot of depth, and it felt like what I liked about the previous season in the flash forward, uh, or the five years forward, is that we weren't really sure about Mona. She Mm -hmm. clearly was like a player. She was doing things. She was interacting with the other villain characters. We didn't really know 100% where her loyalties lied. Um, And then all of a sudden, she like basically got a weird remake. Uh, and it, with a new job and a new personality to an extent in this half of the season. And that, I, you know, I really liked it when she, I think she's at her best when you were not really sure what Mona's going to do. Mm-hmm. And that was not the case for the first like four episodes of the show. So this one sort yeah. of brings back to the, the more interesting Mona and the Mona that we like, but I still don't really feel like, I feel like they just mishandled her in the first half of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I guess this is the Mona who admits that she killed Bethany and is just like, whatever, I did that thing. Um, because there's... Yeah, it's. I guess I guess there's two things that I draw from this. One is that I'm glad Mona's back. Two is that mm-hmm. Mona's not A and... Like, I thought this sort of set it up that she could be because she's so interested in the game... To the extent where it's like, maybe you love this and you admire it because you made it. And maybe it's so easy for you to tell what's going on inside it because you made it. Duh. But 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 why would you make something then 
convince the person who you're torturing that it's actually a well-crafted thing and then make a whole map to show how it was crafted when obviously Hannah's like, I don't give a fuck. Can right. you please just like help me? Right. Like, I don't care. Like you drop well, as it's, many schematics it's almost, as you want to. Well, the fact that she draws the schematic <laughs> is like, it's not a dead giveaway, but it could be. I mean, it's almost, it reminds me actually of Charlotte helping Allison when we know that Charlotte in the end is the, is, is the, the Uber a, the sad thing about this whole Spencer twin theory is that it's the only theory that has an actual clear motivation behind it. Uh huh. All these, all the other theories. Revenge. Been, yeah. That like that Spencer got the life that, that sh- she should have had. Right. Well, um, this is why I still think Charlotte's alive. Right. Cause also, I don't know. <laughs> we, we did learn. Ezra is definitely not going to be a, no, it's not going to be Ezra. And I don't think it's going to be Mona, but I would love it if it was. And this episode would make it super satisfying that she would like sort of dangle the possibility in front of, in mm-hmm. front of Hannah's nose. So now the new question is, who is the father of the baby? Okay, so let's get into the baby. So it's the episode starts with Allie and Emily talking about it, reeling from the revelation still, processing their feelings. I thought this scene was handled really well. Uh, the, both actresses are, are excellent in it and really deep into their anger and their exhaustion and their sadness. And it was well played. Yeah, I think that having uh, Allison be more exhausted than anything. I, I mean, I, I think at first it's uh, the way that Allison's character has developed um, was really uninteresting. Um, but now I think that I, f- I feel that exhaustion. And I believe that 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 is a very real way to react to the situation because i feel like if i was in any like a remote situation like that some sort of traumatic trying eternally anxious situation my first response and most people's response would be exhaustion tiredness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i feel like allison is the one who embodies that where she's just like i don't know i'm just i just need to fucking go to sleep i don't know right (laughs) right which you know she also she's pregnant so she's dealing with the physical uh issues that that brings on mm-hmm. but yeah i think this this season is trying to figure out what to do with allison and give her some more depth and i think it's done a pretty good job to be to be honest i do think having her have a kid and having it be emily's and using this as a way to pull them together I mean, we talked about this, I think, in the last episode where it's it's coming out of this putting them together, pulling them together through this like invasive, awful thing does not really make their romantic interest feel like it has honest chemistry. You know, it doesn't really feel like Mm -hmm. an authentic way to bring them together. And the way that this episode deals with Paige, who has this like unjustified reunion with Emily in the previous episode. And in this one decides like, well, listen, I'm not going to hang out to be this weird, like polyamorous baby situation, which is, you know, totally understandable. Uh, This episode felt authentic that she would be like, all right, I'm just going to peace out. But it's like, it, it didn't, they didn't need to have like the big silly reunion of the last episode to create like the fake drama of her suddenly being like, Oh, actually I'm going to peace out. 
Right. I don't. Uh, it I was mean, like really deflating for her to do that after the buildup of the last episode when they could have just had it be like, you know, listen, I thought I was going to stay here with you and see what could happen. But it's clear that's not going to work out without like the 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 heady romance of the last episode. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I, I keep wanting every new episode to prove my main gripe wrong our main gripe wrong Mm -hmm. about this return to the status quo um but once again i mean this episode like what who else who else was helped to return to their their one true love uh except for Allie and emily it was uh, spencer and detective hunk Mm -hmm. detective conflict because it became clear that their relationship is over now right and so, therefore, Spencer... It, yeah, it opens the door for Ezra, or for um, Toby. For, for Toby. Toby. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Arya and Ezra are finally... It seems like Ezra's finally getting over the Nicole thing, which I believe means that they are now going to drop that thread completely. Yeah, probably. And move away from it. This is their solution. Which, again... Well, I think there was a great... The fact that we've been talking about Arya needing to stand up for herself and being such a pushover with this stuff and we've gotten hints of it in the last couple episodes and in this one she really confronts Ezra and she's like you, you can't you need to stay here and fix this shit you can't you can't keep flying to New York every time you get a call so is, I mean does that mean that this whole like this whole Nicole drama even Nicole even showing up at Ezra's place this is all just yet again another obstacle put in the way of of these ships in order to validate them and only to do that i think it well i mean the short answer is probably yes i think it is one of these sort of tragic events that go through the shows that like stumble into the show's tragedy as has happened on the show before Mm -hmm. and i think is one of the most interesting things about the show is that not everything is part of this like huge plan that like bad things crazy things just happen and meanwhile there's also this extremely orchestrated bad thing that's happening um i love that i think it's like a super weird interesting thing for the show to do because you're it it, like makes you unsure of what's going on and i think this is just another one of those things where it's like this bad crazy thing happened and it probably was not orchestrated by a because or ad because one person really can't be halfway around the world and be everywhere at once yeah i uh after talking to the folks at cabernet and a last week uh, we or i went and watched some of those uh paley fest interviews Uh uh-huh and i especially was interested in um the answer that Marlene and executive producer Joseph Doherty gave regarding um, the last episodes. And they were, they were of course asked or Marlene was asked, you know, do you like, is, is what we see is is what we're going to see in the last episode. Is that something that you had, have always wanted to do with the show? Like you've always envisioned because, there was some talk that you know they could have ended, that they were originally going to end with Charlotte mm-hmm. being A, and that they just decided to keep going. And it's sort of like, did you you know was the Charlotte being A was that your 
your initial end game or was what's coming? Is that it? And she says, believe her or not, she says that what's coming was her original vision. Uh-huh. Um, but the answer that was more disparaging than anything was they say that these last 10 episodes are their gifts to fans. That, you know, the fans have made the show what it is, and so this is their gift to the fans. Im- implying that they're going to give them the shipping that they want. Right. Is that what you're saying? Which is all, which when I hear that, all I can think of is like, oh, like every, Spencer and Toby, uh, Allison and Emily, uh, Hannah and Caleb, and Arya and Ezra. Right. And that's what the fans want. Right. You know? Not these fans. Yeah, not these fans. Yeah. Um, which... You know, I don't, there's really no more insight beyond that, except that, that I just, that just makes me feel like I'm just going to be disappointed. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I want the show to surprise us, but I also want the show to show some growth and having all the characters end up with their high school sweethearts. I mean, or yeah, I, I don't Hannah's think even really... talking about having a baby with Caleb. Right. Do, do not have a baby with Caleb. Hannah. Don't do that. Don't do that. He is Although not Caleb be the father you think he will be. Caleb and Toby are not in this episode. This is something we, we talked about. What happened to their friendship? They're off. Good. They're off uh, fishing together, so Toby can get over the death of his wife. <laughs> Super dark, <laughs> extremely dark. Yeah, we just just let Caleb and Toby go fishing so that Toby <laughs> can get over the death of his wife. Yeah, which is obviously like not broached in this episode. Like that's why they're off doing this because of this ex- this the worst everything, the worst possible thing that happened. I know. No one is really talking about how Toby's wife fucking died. Right. There's no funeral. There's no funeral. Right? Not Was there not? Yeah. Yeah. Um so, uh, do you think that we're going to find out what happened after Arya got out of that limo? Do you think that she saw the file and she knows it's in the file? No. I think she just gets out of the limo and goes home. I don't know if she does anything or not. Mm. I don't know. I, it, was like, it was like unclear if it was like, all right, you're getting out of the limo and now you're going to go do something. Or this is as far as we take you and now you catch yourself yeah. an Uber and go home. So... Every, what AD keeps telling Arya is like, I need you to prove your loyalty to me. Right. Which does does that mean that AD is basically like, I'll help you end the game, or like, well, if if you if you prove your loyalty to me, I'll end the game. No, I don't. Think like, that's why just... is Arya doing this? Is I it think, only because of the stupid? I file? think she's. I think she's trying to. She's concerned about this file number one, and she's trying to get out of the game. She's sick of playing the game, and AD is telling her. Well, if you work for me, then obviously I won't be doing bad things to you because you're working for me. But that's not really how this works at all because you are now still working for the person who's blackmailing you, who can string you along forever. And if you do the wrong thing, you will still have bad things happen to you. So as far as like actually trying to get out of the game by working for a psychopath, that's not a good idea. But I do think that Arya is clearly not a villain and does not want to be a villain and is not desperate enough to betray her friends. As she says in this episode, she says, I will, I'm not going to hurt my friends. Mm. So I think she's like playing along and trying to see what is going to happen. And if she can surprise us and be genius, Arya, um, which, you, which I would love to see. Yeah. 
I mean, genius, genius Arya. You know what Genius Arya does? She sits next to a dumpster behind Ezra's book hole. Do you remember that? The the first time we see her, she's sitting next to a dumpster outside. This is what she does. <laughs> I'm sorry. Even if it was Ezra's book hole, even if it was my fiance's book hole, I wouldn't go sit next to a dumpster outside. Well, maybe in the PLL universe, it smells really nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't know. It's weird. It's weird over there. Uh, what did you think of, of delicious pizza crusts? What did you think of AD communicating with Arya through FaceTime with like this total like face um, face swap device mm-hmm. where it's like a weird voice that isn't Arya's, but it's like a modulated like auto tuned voice yeah. with like Arya's face over what appears to be. A woman. A woman. Uh, but it's all, sp- I think we're, we're supposed to think it's all digitized. I guess. I mean, I just thought it was just basically a woman with Arya's face sort of Snapchatted on there. Um, because, uh, I don't know. But the end of the episode gives you the impression that the person, like, basically has all these pre recorded. Right. But that doesn't make any sense. Or, or is, like, doing it, is, like, typing, key, typing text into a program that's mm-hmm. then doing it, you know? Yeah. Which, I mean,. Sure. Like having like not even it's not a person who's on camera, but it's actually just a digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a it's a program that's being fed text. I mean, the voice itself, it like it's it was actually a pretty brilliant voice that they came up with because it sounds familiar, but it's not. Yeah, I, it wasn't anyone we'd obviously heard. It before. sounds like some sort of amalgamation of maybe like all of the liars, uh-huh. um, which I totally believe, but. Yeah, because it's like who? I mean, at first it was like I was trying to like imagine who that could have been, mm-hmm. and if it, it matched like just sort of like some little fringes of the tone of the the voice or or some mannerisms. And my first thought was actually Paige. Yeah, me too. Because the hair. Yeah, and, and, and the voice kind of it felt it felt like Paige. Yeah, it was closest. It was pretty close to Paige. Um, and one thing at the end when you see. AD like writing up the code to do these videos. There's cackling that seems to be coming from the person and not from the screen, mm. which seems to be a woman's laugh, uh, which sounded to me like Sydney. Yeah. So I don't know if we're meant to think that this is Sydney doing this and she's in fact not working for anyone, but she is maybe the mastermind or she, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's a reach to say it's her voice, but it sounded like Sydney to me. How, far do you think the show is going to go when it comes to establishing that motivation because aria is basically i mean aria is asking the questions that everyone wants to ask which is why are you doing this right what are you going to get out of it actually this is what i love about this season is that people are are aria is in a position to ask these questions and she's doing it and it's the questions we all want to know mm-hmm. and the responses are like just super villain melodrama everything yeah the the, the question is like what are you going to get out of this and ad's like everything <laughs> and it's like oh my god yes that is exactly what i wanted to hear <laughs> Don't don't give me any introspection here. Give me like this. Give me like the super villain answer. So I love that. That's terrific. Yeah. It um, also does not help us with the motivation problem, but it's very satisfying to me. Yeah. I just don't. Like, what? What? Why? Why? What? Who? Where? When? Yeah. I don't know. I have one more question about Arya's interactions with AD because mm-hmm. our AD is asking her about like 
their the conversation that Arya has with all the liars, where they're trying to talk, figure out what to do about Lucas and so on. And she's like, "What were they saying? What did what did everybody find out? You know?" And she reveals the stuff about um, Pastor Ted. Pastor Ted yeah. doesn't say they know about Lucas. Doesn't reveal everything. Doesn't say where Mary was. Blah blah blah. You know, so she does a good job of like giving just enough information to get by. But it's like, wouldn't AD already know this? Aren't they all under pretty constant surveillance? That was I I I I might have I think I was getting to it when we were watching it. Um, I had the exact same thought. Mm-hmm. My only thought, and I am not usually given to uh, defending Arya or anything surrounding Arya, but my only thought is that AD knows, but this is a test for Arya. That's what I was thinking, but then I also noticed later in the episode, Mona says the game can't run all the time and be tracking you all the time uh, because it has a lim- it has a battery supply, so it has to conserve its energy so you can finish the game. Mm. Uh, and the idea that it's going to have precisely enough battery to get through the game seems silly because yeah. whatever. But anyway, uh, that the idea that like they're being observed, but in a fallible way. Mm-hmm makes the show feel a lot better because otherwise, you know, we were watching shouting at the TV half the time, like you're in Lucas's house, which is probably being surveilled. Why are you talking about how you're searching Lucas's house? Well, that's like, a different situation though. Right. Because it's true. It's like, if you suspect Lucas is a D and also, like also when, um, they're like, well, I guess we're after this you know, search Lucas's house and Spencer's like, what did she say? Like, like do it, like do it. So like surreptitiously. Yeah. Do it surreptitiously. Like don't go, don't, don't blunder around like a bull in a China shop and say, guess we're searching Lucas's house, which is like pretty much what happens. Do anyway. Yeah. Like, which is funny. Look at this comic book that was done by Charles and Lucas. Right. Classic Hannah. Um, so yeah, which is funny because it's just like, how how are you going to surreptitiously search your house? Right. Oh, it, that was extremely like, silly. Not like, not looking not not looking through anything here. Not looking for cameras. <laughs> uh, what did you, you know? What the comic book reminds me of? So they find this comic book that Charles Arcturus. and Luke, that Charles Arcturus that Charles and Lucas did about this boy who has like this. Uh, female friend who becomes like this superhero, like angel avatar kind of character. Um, Obvious allusions to, to Charles. Well, yeah. Allusions to being like protected or, uh, identifying as a woman maybe, or all, all kinds of like complicated issues. And, but it reminded me of, uh, the artist, the other Radley artist who, if I remember was Bethany young, right? Who yeah. who did some a lot right. of extensive extensive art while in Radley, yeah, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know this art was not on this level, but you have to assume it was done when they were much younger. Also, uh, yeah, for sure. Because so I don't know if that was like an intentional callback. You know that you would have this art made in Radley, maybe. Well, that would mean that Lucas went to Radley. Yeah. Well, they yeah, I I feel like this comic book was not made in Radley. That it was made at summer camp. At summer camp. I just wonder like there was also somebody else who was in Radley making this like sort of uh 
larger than life art, demonic art, and so on. Well, I mean, who knows? You know, like maybe Lucas was still friends with Charles when mm-hmm. Charles was at Radley, right? And you know, Lucas visited Charles a lot or something. Could be, yeah. Um, we don't know. Lucas has not been in the last couple episodes since the uh, uh, the terrible meeting with the backers, mm-hmm. which was off camera, right? Um, but, and, you know, maybe what I, what I thought was, maybe this is, this is nothing, but I thought it was funny the way that, uh, Hannah seemed to be looking at stuff in Lucas's loft. Like she's never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, A, that place isn't that big. B, you're telling me you've never like, not like snooped through stuff, but like wandered into his office and looked and just like looked at the the thing that is like yeah she, like sitting there in this house in the she's nosy yeah one would think yeah that's a good point um and then so the comic book disappears when yes. hannah goes back to look for it later it does uh and we find out that aria's aria's, aria's first ad task is to steal the comic to give it to give to ad and in turn aria gets her very own hoodie Dun, dun, dun. Which seemed, as I as I noted, seemed way too big on her. She holds it up, and it's like the, yeah, it's, the it's, length of her body. That's true. She probably could have gone with it. It's like 80, come on. Could have gone with a small. Yeah, like you couldn't buy, like you, you want to recruit her into your club, but you can't even buy her a uniform that fits. Listen, AD, bulk orders, <laughs> trying to save money. When you order wholesale, you don't always get your choice of sizes. Where do you think AD gets... Uh, the the hoodie supply. Her hoodies from. Do you think they're like made in America, or do you think, you know, these are just ordered ordered online somewhere? Um, well, maybe AD capitalized on that uh, American Apparel going out of business sale. Yeah, that's true. They've been bought out, and so there was a lot of big. I I actually stocked up. I bought some fifty fifty shirts because I've been wearing them for the gym and so on for the last like I don't know seven or eight years, and so now I will wear these for the next seven or eight years and. Yep. At some point, when I turn forty, I'm gonna have to figure out what the how to what the like sweat in again. <laughs> I'll, I'll run out of t-shirts. It was 50, 50, 50 is like po- half polyester, half cotton, or something. Yes. Oh, okay. So good. The yeah. greatest shirt. I got those V-necks. They're the multicolored V-necks. I got some of those. Yeah, those are good. Um. So, anyway, sorry, a little digression there. Uh. So. Uh. So Arya succeeds. She gets her hoodie. Um, and there's a nice parallel with Arya going to do this while Spencer is out trying to chase Mary Drake yes. through this like cartoonish message cat, cat in and, a bottle. Yeah, that was another like sort of silly element of the show where Mary's communicating with her by like leaving a note in a bottle, as opposed to like it's like you're right there. You were you just wandered into the house and dropped off your message, and you wandered back out, and you're like waiting in the bushes to see if she's gonna leave it for you, like. Right. Could you could you just not like come in and talk to her and be like, do you want to talk to me? I don't yeah, know. I guess there's sense. I guess there's some level of paranoia because Spencer goes out to find her and she's trailed by uh, Officer Conflict, Officer Breakup, mm. and this scares off Mary in the last note. Yeah, you can tell that they're gonna break up too as soon as Spencer brings him uh cupcakes that are basically like it's it's a it's a whole joke the uh, spencer's like i don't even know if these cupcakes exist because they're free everything my thought is i bet you those cupcakes exist and they taste like shit um but he she bring also it's like 
Is it because he's like a um a health food nut or something? Like is it previously established that he like doesn't eat good food or something? I don't think we've ever seen him eat anything, but he is extremely fit. He is a sexy man. <laughs> um but uh he as soon as Spencer brings him the cupcakes, he's obviously like been harboring some doubts about her for quite a while right um which i would imagine it's like dude all this all this uh evidence that you found that points to spencer you knew this stuff when you were boning her yeah you know you're you knew what you're getting into but i really liked the drama between them and the scene that you get in Mm -hmm. in the house where Spencer's waiting for Mary and she never shows up yep. because Fury is there trailing her and he walks in and they're having, they have this whole dramatic discussion where he's like, listen, I got the credit card receipts and Dunhill's card was used at the bar where we were that night. Did you know that he was there? And Spencer's like, no, that's crazy. And then Jay has like a, like a, uh, like a flashback to, um, the life of the card. Which, okay, so uh, tw- uh, I don't think we remember the password to our email. So if you want to communicate with us, tweet at us at PLGM Podcast and let us know if it's strange that Spencer would take the credit card of the man that they just murdered and put it in her own wallet. Right. And instead of taking his wallet, which she did take also, and hiding it. Right. Like, why would you, like, Unless his wallet is somehow close enough to her wallet that she would mistake the two. Right. Well, we're but that's supposed not to, established, though. We're supposed to believe that she is pretty drunk, and this sort of returns to her character having delusional periods, or not, not delusional, but having uh, chemically altered periods, have, being unsure of reality, uh, you know, the night that, that uh, they thought Allison died, she couldn't remember so you it sort of plays into the a trope of the show of like not remembering what happened, not being sure of events, so I thought that was effective and to have the flashback and realizing that Fury has sort of penned her in and he's going to get this paper record and it's going to be her name on it, and she's like, "Oh no, so that was like a nice uh a nice suspense drop to leave for us yeah which is which is even stranger because. Then the the next two scenes that we see her in, she seems totally unconcerned about that that fact that she's kind of fucked. Uh huh. Um, although uh, we get a note from the last scene that we see Spencer, the 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 sort of like weird jarring scene after we just saw her her air quotes at the airport with Ren. Right. She gets a note from Mary Drake saying, uh, "You brought the police." I understand. Goodbye. I think that's what it said. Right. Yeah. Um, basically that, uh, because detective conflict showed up, um, uh, Mary thought that Spencer had let the cops come with her. And so now she's leaving, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought that was played fine. Uh, yeah. Which I, I mean, I do think you're right that the shot, the scene with Ren, was super jarring and doesn't make sense. And it makes a lot more sense if that's not Spencer in the scene. Mm -hmm. But I also hate that theory because there's no basis for it and it sucks. And also, as we've learned before, 
not saying this is the case, but this just throws doubt on everything. Yes. Which is that Mission Impossible masks. So Right. Right. So hadn't thought you can't, of that. You can't trust identities. You can't like I mean, and this is sort of like a sort of a like a um a side I don't know what you call it. Um, like a like sort of just a, a, a thematic symbol is the idea of this FaceTime being that your face you're supposed to be having an intimate conversation with someone because you can see their face and, right. then, and yet you still have no idea who that person is because you can't trust the the normal markers of identity. Well, um, a, as this show has often uh, pivoted into. That is a really intense commentary on digital communication in a way yes. that you can't, you can't trust. You can't really know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. You can't really trust who you're talking to. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I d- also identity theft, <laughs> which is a thing. Right. I don't know. I feel like the show like gives itself the chance to address those sorts of issues and I don't know if it gets all the way there because it's really more concerned maybe with the plot or with the relationships or whatever instead of trying to have sort of a unified theme of what it's trying to communicate about truth and lies or trust or digital communications or how we're all being surveilled by our phones, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, there's definitely – there's a lot there – that could say this show used to be about growing up. Now the show is about the surveillance state. Uh huh. Um, but it's sort of I don't know. It, it's it feels less. I, it's hard. The, there was a the show's sort of gone back and forth between with, with like surveillance as an om, omniscient eye, the omniscient eye as like a, as an important thing. Mm-hmm. And as we see in this episode, like it does. A, the show did a good job in this episode of sort of establishing the fallibility. Of the omniscient eye, yeah, which is makes it a lot easier to watch because you don't think that they're constantly being, they're constantly giving, yeah. spilling Sh- the beans. Shut some fucking windows. Yeah, beans. you don't think they're constantly spilling the beans. Um, yeah, I guess it's there's always that 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 cynic in me that thinks that the show isn't intending these things so much as it's just got a lot of meat there that points to them. Uh huh. Um, so I kind of. I don't know. I mean, I think that's. I like, mean, I think we can get what we what we want out of them, and there probably is some thought behind. I mean, there is some thought behind it. It's not it's not meaningless, but it's in the service of the of the main show as opposed to trying to make social commentary necessarily. Right, and I and I think that you know something that we were talking about before we started recording, which is, um, it's a lot of fun. <sighs> I'm probably going to rain on a lot of people's parades right now, but. It's a lot of fun to dissect the ever-living shit out of the show, to pour over every detail, to take screenshots, and to point to things. I mean, really, the, the Spencer twin theory is mostly derived from this idea that in the dollhouse, Spencer's, Spencer's identical room in the dollhouse, the only thing that was different from her real room was the fact that the, the portrait with the letter S instead had the portrait of a letter A, and so therefore it could have been Twin Spencer's room or something, Mm -hmm. Um, which is such an inconsequential detail um, that can be easily explained away with any number of of quick little 
you know, reasons for right. why that would be the case. Well, so in AD, the D would stand for Drake, Drake. and it would be Mary's other daughter. Yeah, that starts her name starts with an A. That's what the the theory is. But um you know, people have it's not it's not like this is anything new. People have done this with Lost, people have done this with the X Files, people have done this with all of these mystery shows. Um Well, so this would wait, wait, wait. This actually so would that mean if there's really a Spencer twin yeah. and Mary Drake had three kids, would that mean so that means that uh Spencer's sister or whoever is trying to avenge Charlotte's death. Is that what this is about? Cause Char- Charlotte, her sister, right? Yes. Am uh, I understanding all of this or am I confused? Um, I think that Spencer's twin evil, evil Spencer uh-huh. wants to find out who killed Charlotte. Right. Um, so therefore we don't know. We still don't know who killed Charlotte. Right. If Charlotte's dead. Right. And, the motivation is saying that Spencer was adopted right. by the Hastings and evil Spencer had to stay in Ratley. Right. And with Charles? And he got to probably got to know Charles. Mm. Or whatever happened this the situation that would happen to the to a child that was born in a mental institution, I guess. I don't know. Right. But um but that is, is evil Lucas, Spencer is jealous. Is Lucas Spencer's brother? Would, no, right? No. That's too crazy. Why? But no. Uh, but I that hate, wouldn't. But then I hate this idea. Yeah, it just doesn't. I mean, because the the basically the but but like I said, the only it's the only motivation that makes sense so far because the motivation is that. Evil Spencer is uh, feels like Spencer got the life that Evil Spencer should have had. Right, right. Well, that's interesting. I guess we'll see. But I don't know how Charlotte plays into that. Right. Um, besides that, they're related. Right. Yeah, uh, it's true. I don't like the idea of introducing a new character at this point in the game. I would and they've much, already done it. Yeah, I would much rather like it if uh, Charlotte is not dead. But you know, <laughs> I, we're we're down to the wire here. We have five more episodes. We finished half the final half season, so we're into the last quarter of the show, and there are no more breaks. It is every week until the end of June. Let's do this! Yeah. Yeah. So I'm man. I'm I'm just like Allison. I too am exhausted, and <laughs> I love this show. I am enjoying this final season, but thinking, trying to think ahead, and trying to solve the puzzle. Uh, is kind of giving me a headache, so I just want it to wash over me and and experience it. Yeah, I guess that's sort of my, my was my point about about all this pouring over details and all these fan theories. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I I got into the theory as you were saying that. Well, the no, but, I, are... but my my point is is when I said I didn't want to rain anyone's parade, it's because I'll say this, which is I don't like. Besides it being a fun thing to do, has there ever been any evidence that the show has actually? paid off on all of this extreme detail. Right. I just don't think that that's the case. Right. I mean, you could you could make the argument about maybe the Mona and the Charlotte reveals. Maybe. You know? if we, I, don't, I, mean, I mean, I think you could make that argument about the Charlotte reveal. Uh, and if you can, if you can overlook the way a uh, trans woman character is sort of made out to be a crazy villain, uh, 
if you treat it as a if you just look at it from the idea of being a plot twist, you know, mm-hmm. you could I, you could make the argument that there's payoff in that. But I mean, I think this goes back to like the problem with Lost or the problem with any of these things where it's like most of the time the creator does not have this grand plan to do seven seasons of TV and you're trying to get through the story in 20 episodes and you're figuring it out during the season. And it's like, uh, it's like Dickens writing more words because he's getting paid by the words. So you have to come up with the installment for next week. And then you end up with this 500 page book and you're not really sure where it's going to go in the middle. Um, and that's, and that's the thing is like, I just, I, I mean, it's like it's Marlene and, and Damon Lindelof. It's, it's like, it's okay. If you didn't know where it was going, it's okay. Right. Well, it's the problem with creating a show based around mystery and intricacy, right? Instead of like what Lost tried to argue at the end, knowing that they had made a terrible ending for their show was, Mm -hmm. well, it's actually about the characters. And it's like, then why did you? No, it's not. You know, (laughs) like you made an extremely rich character based show set in this mystery world. So it's both. You can't say that it's just the one. And I think Pretty Little Liars has done a much better job than Lost and than many shows of of being pretty clear and and having relatively satisfying payoffs. And I think bringing back Emily's eggs was like a great move that shows that they are are not uh, forgetting about these things. And right. tying back to Lucas is like a way of creating more depth to that character uh, and going back to us thinking, well, maybe his house is evil. This is too good to be true. So I think the show has made a lot of good decisions and I hope it continues to go forward in a way that like at least gives us some payoff, at least makes us feel like watching all this TV comes to something and that you weren't completely winging it. And if you were that you're able to just bring it in for a nice smooth landing. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I just, there's no, there's no way I part I guess partly I'm saying that out of almost envy towards people who can remember all these things because I sure as fuck can. No. So, um, I mean, one, one, one thing, and I'll just briefly mention this, that we, when we were talking to Cabernet, Cabernet and A about the, th- the things that we want to have answered that, or that we've forgotten about, the things that like, I feel like dropped plot threads, uh, Wally Lamb. Oh yeah, remember him? Not really. He was a attendant at Radley who just disappeared. Is that Eddie Lamb? Eddie Lamb. Eddie Lamb. Wally Lamb is a the silence of e, the silence of E Lamb. <laughs> yeah, Wally no. Some, someone someone brought up uh, someone. I think it was it's Kyla J on Instagram brought up Eddie Lamb to us, and I was yeah. like, oh yeah, what a great character who I completely forgot about. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you know, maybe, uh, maybe the reason why people remember all this stuff is because they watch it more obsessively than we do. And well, that's it's, fine. You it's know, introduced. The show is telling you, the show implies this really matters. And for three or four episodes, it's a central mm-hmm. plot thread and it does matter. And then it goes and away. Then it doesn't. And then it doesn't, which is, you know, the rhythm of the show. And we know to expect it at this point. But so that's why bringing Ren back for this like two second reveal, which wasn't a reveal felt super weird because it wasn't the way the show ordinarily behaves. And I look forward to seeing if there is some payoff in the next episode, or if that was just like, we have this actor and we can bring him in for one shot and he has a buzz cut now. 
Yeah, it's 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 hard too because it's it's like we are we're experiencing um, in a non bingeable way the uh, the loss of characters where it's like we have to start saying goodbye to these characters and right. so we don't know if this is like I think I think this is the the last time we're gonna see Paige tonight probably you know yeah uh, and it's like the same thing with like Nicole is like okay is the Nicole thing done now right um. And I felt that recently because I don't know if you've watched the last season of Girls. I didn't. Okay, but it's like uh, this isn't really giving anything away. But you say you say goodbye to most of the characters before the show is over, right? And then there's the last episode is just a pretty hyper focused episode, um, and it isn't until it's over that you're like, oh shit! Like that was the last time I'm going to see these characters, right? And I felt pretty satisfied by the way that girls said goodbye to most of these characters, partly because it wasn't a show that I was ever like super, super into. Um, I liked how it ended, but uh, I f- it's like, th- that's kind of what we're going through right now with this show. It's, it's like, is that, is that the end for this character? Right. It's, we're, we're, we're in saying the, goodbye. We're saying goodbye. We're, we're, we need to let go and we want these characters to go out with, Dignity and catharsis. And yeah, so it's like if some some measure of conclusion. If that's you know, if we're saying goodbye to Paige, was that a good end for Paige? Yeah, I, mean, I guess so. Probably. I think it is. She, she decides. From, she grows up. She gets yeah. away. She she decides to not be with like her toxic girlfriend from high school. Yeah. Who I do want to say that the decision made by Allie and Emily to keep the baby and to raise the baby. Um, we've talked about the way in which it's problematic and the way it puts them back together in a, in a way that seems uh, not necessarily cheap, but just gross. Mm -hmm. But what I did like about it is we've seen Emily over and over try to fix things and try to be this savior. And it's a very motherly instinct to want to take care of people. Right. And so I think that it, it is really true to her character that this is something that she would want that she would want to, especially losing her dad, yeah, right? That she would want to create her own family and it would be something that would matter to her. And so without explicitly saying any of that stuff, I think the show, by being a good show and having a developed character, felt really honest in her coming to that decision mm-hmm. without needing to explain it. And that was, I think, really good work. Yeah, I mean, as much as I don't... As much as I don't think those two characters really have much chemistry, Emily and Allison... Um, uh, I think that they're probably the, probably the only couple that makes sense to be together in the end. Uh huh. Um, well, what I liked about this episode too is when Paige goes to talk to Allison, basically to be like, "Are you gonna break Emily's heart?" You know, is kind of what she's implying. What I liked about that interaction is it allows um, Allie to sort of process her feelings and start to publicly talk about how she feels about Emily. Uh, in a way that isn't the like cheap way that Paige and Emily got together in the last episode where mm-hmm. it was just like, this is happening out of nowhere, but here they're actually creating the building blocks for this relationship to start to become something more than this occasional physical fling or a manipulative situation. Yeah. So I thought that was actually, if these characters must be together in some stupid shipper way, I thought this episode actually did, did started that path in like a really nice way. Agreed. Agreed. Cool. 
Um, I think we covered the whole episode. Yeah, good job, Troyan. Yeah, yeah, excellent you job. Did it. Excellent job. Please direct the next five. <laughs> yeah, really, seriously. It sucks that you only got on board now. Yeah, but I look forward to her future uh, direction because this was a really nice episode to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, also agreed. Um, we don't have any new reviews on iTunes. Um, or sorry, Apple Podcasts. Apple, yeah, it's it's Apple Podcasts, not not iTunes Podcasts. Yeah, they've so, changed their branding. Um, but you can still use iP- iTunes to get it, or the uh, Apple Podcast app, or or we're, Stitcher. We're also on Stitcher. That's right. Yes, maybe maybe that's where we picked up some new uh, listeners. Well, if maybe. you're if you're on Stitcher and checking out this podcast let us know on twitter we're at plgm podcast uh we're always just curious how people discover it and yeah we're excited if you're still with us after an hour we're excited to still have you here can you leave reviews and ratings on stitcher i'm sure you can i haven't actually looked um well i mean we'll check that to see if that is the case but as you've said before if you leave us a review we'll read it on air whether it's positive or negative um and please, if you do enjoy listening to this and and like us uh, and uh, want to follow us, uh, no matter what we do, uh, give us a rating if you haven't already. It helps. It's nice. And it yeah. Ma- and it makes us feel really good about ourselves. We're, we're on the home stretch, and <laughs> I think we do a pretty good Pretty Little Liars podcast over here, and we just want people to hear it, uh, especially since we're going to wrap it up in the next five or six weeks. Yeah, and then we'll, I don't know, uh, make an announcement about what we're going to do next, whatever that is. Yeah. Or something. Something. Yeah, or we'll something. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. We got the we, we didn't get these nice microphones for nothing. That That's true. Our, our $10 microphones <laughs> that we got. Our th- we got a great, we got a great deal on these microphones. They were, this was actually a, this was a great recommendation from the podcaster and blogger. Marco Arment, who said, yeah, these are super cheap microphones, but they're great. So we bought them. Uh, yeah. Um, so they, they are Pyle, by the way, P-Y-L-E. If you would like to buy yourself a 10 to $15 podcasting mic. Uh, yeah. And I know that uh, podcasting is the new thing that's cool and hip to have your own podcast. You can be like the pretty little grown men and have your own podcast and sound just as awesome as we do. <laughs> um Quick, quick, fake beer sponsors. Yeah, fake beer sponsors. Uh, I am drinking the Widmer Brothers Hefe Hop Fruit, which is a Hefeweizen with also some hops and some grapefruit. That's uh, wild. A hoppy grapefruit twist. Um, it's it's not bad. It's uh, Widmer Brothers. They're a nice, dependable local uh, brewery. They've been around in Portland for friggin' ever. Um, Oh, I guess established nineteen eighty four. I guess Woodmer is That's a long time in craft beer craft beer years. Yeah. It's almost well, it's uh it's one year younger than I am. And it's one year older than you, Dave. That's right. Uh for some reason I feel like it's older, but it's one of the oldest craft breweries in town. Yeah. Well, they don't. Yeah, the eighties are pretty much when the craft brewing boom begins, right? Mm-hmm. I think because there was some legal change that allowed people to actually have craft breweries oh really i think it might have i think that was in the the 80s or the 70s oh. I, I would have to look but yeah there was like a sudden the craft brew 
boom as we know it, I think, emerged out of this law change that allowed people to basically start them, uh, which I think happened in the 80s. I might be totally making that up. You're going to have to check Wikipedia. That sounds accurate to me. I think that happened. Uh, but anyway, maybe that's like my twin theory about craft beer. <laughs> I, I had a Oakshire Brewing Sunmade Raspberry Berliner Weiss, uh, which I have every week on this podcast, and they are still selling them in stores. It was supposed to go out, it was supposed to be done in April, but they still have them uh, down the block at the bottle shop. So I'm just going to keep buying them until Oakshire stops making it because it's delicious. Hell yeah. Oakshire, Widmer, if you would like to sponsor our podcast, uh, you are welcome to. <laughs> It's true. Please, please sponsor our podcast or pile pile microphones. If you want to sponsor our podcast, please do. Anyone really, I mean, just, it's cool. Yeah, you know, we got five episodes left. <laughs> <laughs> you can rack up their, those downloads and those listens. We'll, uh, we'll love you forever, and we love you all forever, and thanks for listening. Yes. Uh, until next time, start, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say that. I had one. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. No, okay. you do yours. Oh, until next time, start your own podcast, bitches. Don't <laughs> <laughs> my